0: Hi friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we continue our journey through the Gospel of John as we are led by our senior pastor, the Rev. Dr. Jared Ott. He will be preaching from John chapter 4, which tells the story of the Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus at the well. During this series, we are encouraging everyone to read not only the verses that we are covering in our services, but the entire chapter as we make our way through the Gospel of John. Therefore, you will find the fourth chapter of John available on our website or on the On Your Own section of our app. Now, here is Pastor Jared with today's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. Uh, It's wonderful to be able to be here on uh, Baptism Sunday. How exciting that is for you parents. Wonderful to be able to be here as a church, too, to celebrate that and come alongside. You know, we're in our series, That You May Believe. We just read from... Uh, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, a powerful narrative that is. But let me pray for us as we look at this. God, thanks for today. Thank you for the parents of this room of those kids being baptized. We thank you for their willingness to want to raise them up, Father, teaching them about you. And Lord, we are so grateful that you do teach us in your word everything there is to know about life, about who we are, about what it's all about. We thank you for the fact, as we just sang that song, that you are the chain breaker. Oh, Lord, there's some of us right now who are bound up in chains, whether it's in addictions, whether it's in fear or worries, whether it's in frustrations, anxiety, loneliness. Some of us are bound up. I pray this morning that you break those chains. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what you teach us in your word. I pray that you speak through me now. I pray that my lips are your lips. My heart is your heart. That you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, it was all week I was thinking about this woman at the well we just read. It's in your service sheets, too, if you want to turn there. It's, you know, this passage is one of the longest narratives that Jesus ever uh, speaks with somebody. Uh, This woman at the well. And it was great that Anna was there at a well uh, to be able to read that, uh, if you didn't know what that was, um, that be able to read that passage. You know, I was thinking about this all week. I don't know why, but I was thinking about how this woman went to the well and had to draw water uh, at noon. It was hot. And uh, it reminded me of my very first, one of my very first uh, responsibilities here at Christ Church. Some of you know as the uh, uh, youth pastor way back when, in the late 90s here at Christ Church. And one of the first assignments I had was to go to the creation festival. If you've never been to the Creation Festival, it's, uh, it's like a woodstock for Christians. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's, uh, week long out in the middle of Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere, just a big field where you do camping and, and, uh, you hear speakers and, uh, musicians and it's a wonderful time. So we were going to take some, uh, some of the youth with us. I had never been. Uh, that was was the first problem. Uh, So the youth, the other youth pastor said, well, listen, I'm going to take you, Jared. We're going to take these students. I've got a wedding to go to, but I'll make sure you're all good before I leave. (laughs) Two seconds after we got there, he's like, okay, I'm out. It happened to be the hottest or one of the hottest uh, weeks uh, creation festival ever, mid-90s. And so my responsibility throughout the rest of the time was, it was survival. It was keeping the kids alive uh, with water and food. I thought it was going to be this wonderful experience where we're all going to be singing and like swaying and having a great time as a youth group. Nope, I'm back at camp uh, stirring lemonade water with my bare hands, making sure everybody's hydrated. So if you were with me on that trip, some of you are adults now, you're welcome for keeping you alive. (laughs) And I remember we had to go and get these water at this spigot. It wasn't like a well like that. It was middle of the field and you had to go and carry these water jars. And I remember doing it. Breakfast, you had to go. And then you had to clean up the dishes. You got to go get more water. And then lunch, do it again. And I remember walking with these heavy uh, things of water and it was just weighing me down in fact it was so hot that they had a water sh- shortage and they said no showers and so i remember my wife showed up deb a couple days later and I'm like "yeah jared you're so tan" it's like nope that's dirt that is pure <laughs> dirt it was actually so. Fil- I was thinking about this uh, when I went over to preach the sanctuary. It was so filthy. I remember coming back, all the tents, all the coolers. I just threw them in the barn. I think they're still there. And so, if you go there, I don't know what the expiration date is on hot dogs and salami, but do not eat the meat that's up in the barn right now because it's still there. It was it was a mess. But I remember the water jar. I remember having to carry that, and my arms being so exhausted carrying these coolers back and forth all day for like five days. Water just carry it. You put it on your shoulders and it would just beat you down in the middle of the day. And I think about this woman having to do that, going to the well. You know, one of the things that we're hoping is that you are following along with us with this reading of John, uh, the Gospel of John, because all these narratives, all these things go together. Last week, if you remember, Jamie, Pastor Jamie was here talking about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. And what's striking is the contrast between who Nicodemus was and this woman. John 3 and John 4 speak volumes to us. Why? Because there last week as a, as a man, Nicodemus was a religious leader. He knew who Jesus was. Okay? And now we have this woman. You've got a man last week. You've got a woman this week. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He was an educated person. She was an uneducated peasant. He was rich. She was poor. He was a part of the social elite. She was an outcast. He was uh, uh, well-educated, and he he knew the scriptures. She had no idea. He knew who Jesus was. She has no clue. No clue. So you have this, this contrast. And what does it mean? You know what it says? It says that God's love knows no limitations. That no matter what age you are, demographic, race, ethnicity, what your education level is, where you come from, what your past is, how much you know about the scriptures, how much you don't know about the scriptures. If you've been to church before, if you've never been to church, God's love knows no limitations. And so if you're here this morning thinking, maybe I I shouldn't be here. This is for you. This is for you in a big way. Because Jesus comes and looks right at you and loves you. So what do we have? We have this contact, okay? The contact. Jesus comes. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn this in your service sheets as well. Verse 4. It says, now they had to go through Samaria. And I got to stop right there. (laughs) Stop already. Because a lot of people look at at that verse and think nothing of it. He had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria because that was the only way. A lot of people think, well, he had to go that way because that was the only way to go. And they think nothing of it. You have to understand a little bit about geography of Israel. It's still like this today. If you go there, they're still like this today. There are three regions stacked on top of each other. Judea, Judea, Samaria, and then Galilee. Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. Got it? Three stacked right on top of each other. And on the east side is the Jordan River. So if you look at maps, it's still like that today. But what would happen is, is the Jewish people did not want to go through Samaria because the Samaritans were like the evil half-bred race that they tried to avoid. And so a Jewish person would not go through Samaria. They wouldn't take the most direct route, just going straight up. What they would do is they would cross the Jordan River. They would go up on the other side and then cross back the Jordan River once they got there. So Jesus didn't have to go to Galilee because that was the only way. Jesus had to go because he had a divine appointment with a woman who needed him. And this morning, Jesus has a divine appointment with some of you. Some of you are here and thinking, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe this isn't for me. Jesus has a divine appointment with you. He had to go because there was a woman that was sick and needed him. There was a woman at the well. So he had to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with this woman. So he comes to a town in Samaria named Sychar. There was a plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jacob's well was about a half a mile outside of town. Understand that there was a well a lot closer. But she went to this well, chose to walk a half a mile. And Jesus was tired from his journey and sat down there by the well. And it was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman uh, said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. You got to know that the Samaritans, what had happened was when the Assyrians conquered Israel, they sent them all away and then they intermarried with the Jewish people. And now the Jewish people looked at the Samaritans as these kind of like half-breed heretics. Now, you go, well, I don't know if I could, how do you, how do you put that in today's terms? You think of the, the Bosnians and the Serbs. Or you think of the Israelis and the Palestinians. It wasn't kind of like, a, I'm just not comfortable around you. It's, I hate you. And I'm going to avoid you at all costs. So there's Jesus. Goes through Samaria, because he's got an appointment, and he's sitting at the well, and there's a woman. Now, the other thing that's striking about this, if you pull that back up, it's noon. Nobody goes to the well at noon, unless you're at the creation festival and you're trying to keep everybody alive. It was noon. You don't go to the well at noon. You go in the morning or late at day. And you got to know, too, that going to the well is like going to the water cooler. That's where the women would come and talk. It was a social event. So for her to go at noon is really, really odd. Now, you may say, well, maybe she just needed more water. She needed more water. Why didn't she go to the well closer? No, she was there all by herself at noon. She chose to walk a half a mile in the heat of the day to avoid people talking about her. Because we find out later in the story, she's been married five times. So, ne- so now you get it. Go, oh, she's avoiding people. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? I'm going to make sure I don't get involved in any kind of ministry or small group because what if they find out? What if I open up and they find out about my past? What if I come to church and I, and I, and I reveal to somebody what I've been going through? Know the feeling. This, this woman felt that. It. So it's noon. And all she wants to do is get some water. And there's Jesus sitting there. I can just see it. He's sitting there kind of resting against the well, isn't he? He says, will you give me a drink? She's thinking that he's only interested in the water, but really he's interested in in her heart. Jesus is interested in you. He loves you. He's interested in your heart. He was there because he had a divine appointment. He knew she was going to be there, and that's why he went. That's why Luke 19 talks about that Jesus came to seek and save what's lost. He came for the sick, not the healthy. He came for the people that may, may have not had the best past, may have not had the best education. He comes for them. He comes for us, too. He comes for us. So that's the circumstance. That's the contact. Then we have the conversation. Conversation gets really interesting. Look at verse 10. It says, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Stop. Look at that verse. Again, often overlooked. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. You know what that verse says? That verse says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely the simplest thing possible. It says that all you have to do is ask. It doesn't say that if you need a living water, then you just live a certain way, or you go to church, or, or you pray so many times a day, or you have your quiet time. All it says is if you knew the gift of God and who it is, all you would have to do was ask. Salvation is wonderfully simple, isn't it, church? It's wonderfully simple. That we can come in our brokenness. We can come to Spider Pass and say, you know what, Lord Jesus, I just need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. Wonderfully simple. It goes on to say, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank it for himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become uh, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Oh, man. Jesus... He says, I'm going to give you living water. He, he, it's deliberately ambiguous because the phrase could also mean running water. He's trying to invite her curiosity. There she is trying to draw water. And he says, listen, I've got water that you'll never thirst again. That you'll never be thirsty. That'll fill you up forever. That you won't ever be lonely again. That you'll have hope again. That you'll have peace again. That you have direction again. He's there, and he's saying, listen, I can give you something. You're coming here because you need water to sustain your life. I'm going to sustain you through the rest of your life. All you've got to do is ask. All you've got to do is ask. He leads her to a need, then reveals to her what it would be to change your life. Now, that's the conversation, but there's a next step in the, in the process. Because in order for her to understand that she needs a Savior, she needs to first understand what her sin is, isn't it? She needs to first understand where her life has been the way she's been leading it. So now we have the conviction. Verse 16, it's not in your service sheets. Verse 16, he said to her, go, call your husband back, husband, and come back to me. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right, and you say you have no husband. The fact is, you now have five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband either. What, have you, what you have just said is quite true. Five husbands. I thought about that this week. I knew uh, somebody who had been married four times. I thought, wow, that's a lot. Five? I don't I didn't know how it's possible. Like, I, I don't know how, is this person, is this woman like 160 years old? How is that even possible? Five times. But it really reveals about, a lot about her, doesn't it? Going from one person to another. Oh, man. I can imagine this woman, if you can imagine, Finally she's, you know, she's all alone and she's there and finally there's a man that's now nice enough to talk to her, right? Who's, who says, who's sitting there and saying, could I have a drink? She's thinking, oh man, this is good. There's finally someone to talk to. And then he brings that up. He brings that up. He brings up the past. Yeah, I wonder if Jesus is being insensitive here. It's like, well, couldn't you just have avoided that, Jesus? Couldn't you just have said how much you love her? No. He goes right to the point. You see, without conviction of sin, there can be no conversion. God sees behind the reality, the masks that we have. And until we come to grips with our own sickness, our own sin, we could never accept him as our Lord and Savior. We would never know the need for a Savior. And so he goes right to it. So you may say, does Jesus love her? Oh, he loves her. He loves her so much that he wants her to realize the severity of her sin. You know, it says in God's word that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then it says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We we can't be cleansed if we don't confess. It's like when Jesus is washing Peter's feet, Peter says, not my feet. Jesus says, I can't wash you. If you don't present your feet, I can't wash you. If you don't present your sin, I I can't clean you. Some of us have so much sin that we're trying to hide, and we hide behind it, and we hope no one ever finds out about us. You know, this sin that this, war, this person had, this the way she was living, really reveals her deep-seated loneliness, doesn't it? She goes from one guy to another. You know, many of us have gone through life saying, you know what, if I just had a husband or wife, I would be happy. There's a lot of singles out there who say that, like, if I just had a husband or wife, I'd be happy. And those singles are the most miserable people because they're longing just to be happy. The singles that have such a deep sense of peace are the ones saying, you know what, I don't need anybody else to make me happy. I got the Lord Jesus Christ. So some people go through life totally lonely. Some of us have spouses that we wish were a different spouse. We said, you know, if I just had a different spouse, I'd be happy, wouldn't we? Or if I just had a different family, I would be okay. We go through life lonely. Some of you are lonely here. You come on a Sunday morning, and there's 1,500 people here, and you feel all alone. You know the feeling that this woman felt. Did Jesus love her? Oh, yeah, He loved her. Does Jesus love you? Oh, He does. Loves you so much that He died for her, as He died for you on the cross, to take away the penalty of her sin, of your sin. He's not ashamed. Because you kind of wonder, well, once he reveals that, what would he have said? Is he going to like lay on the guilt? Like, oh, five husbands, huh? No wonder you're at the well. It's noon. Nope. No criticism. No guilt. He wasn't looking for perfection. All he was looking for was honesty. The woman to be honest. Hey, listen, you're right, Jesus. I've been living a certain way and I can't do it anymore. What Jesus is here this morning saying to you is he's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be honest, to look deep inside yourself and say, you know what, I've been trying to do this on my own. It's not working. It's just not working. So then we have not only the conversation, the conviction, now we have the conversion. Look at verse 19. It so, sir, the woman said, I see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Stop right there you got to know that uh, the Samaritan people, what they tried to do is they tried to take what the Jewish people taught them and what the Gentile people taught them and try to kind of come up with like a hybrid sort of worship. And so what they did was in Samaria, and it's still there, there's a mount called Mount Gerizim, and that's where they went to worship. The Jews went to worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans went to worship in Mount Gerizim. So now what she's saying is, hey, Jesus, where, which mountain should I go to? The Jews claim that the place where they want to worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming where you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What Jesus is saying is that he said, listen, it has nothing to do with geography. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the cross and all I want you to do is believe in me. I want you to confess. I want you to be a child of mine. And then you can worship any way, shape, or form in whatever place you want to worship. As long as it's in spirit and in truth. Not in geography or location, but in spirit and in truth. Isn't it wonderful that we can come here on a Sunday morning and worship in a certain way? And in the sanctuary, they can worship in a kind of a different way, in a traditional style. But it's all worship. Why? Because it's in worship in spirit and in truth. And I know that's what Brad and the band want to put here on Sunday mornings, that we worship in spirit and truth. It's not about them. It's not about our building. It's not about our location. It's about who God is and what he's done for us. And that's that's what he's saying to the woman. He said, listen, it's not about geography. It's all about your heart. that's why I'm here. There's good news and bad news in that. The bad news is is that a lot of us think that we can earn it by, hey, let's come to church. Let's worship a certain way. Let's uh, give a certain amount. Let's pray a certain amount. Let's follow the Ten Commandments or have quiet time. And Jesus' bad news is is that none of that's going to actually add up to salvation. The good news is that salvation is wonderfully simple. He's saying, listen, it's a matter of the heart. You understanding your need for a Savior, the understanding that I'm the one that's going to save you. I want you to put your faith and trust in me. Oh, I'd I'd love to see Jesus' face when he's telling the woman this, huh? A woman that's so broken, so alone, that's longing for someone just to talk to her, and there he is with a smile on his face and said, hey, that's me. That's me. It's not about anybody else, it's me. And maybe he's looking at you this morning and he's saying, hey, it's me. Stop looking for it in all other places. Stop looking for it in your relationships. It's right here. I just want you to come to me. I got a divine appointment with you. I got a divine appointment with you. I'm here for you. I came here this morning for you. I just want you to have a trust in me. There's a conversation, there's a conviction, there's a conversion. But there's one final step. There's one thing this woman does that is really overlooked in this passage there's a change. There's a change. Look at verse. 28. He says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? Go back to verse 28. One of the most powerful verses in this whole narrative. It's right there says, so then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, what did she leave? She left that water jar, that thing that was burdening her down, that thing that she was carrying on her shoulders for so long. How could you run and be free if you had a water jar on your shoulders? Some of us are walking around with burdens of guilt and anxiety and fears and loneliness, and you're walking around all of life, and it's just weighing you down, and you want to go out and run and free, but you can't because you're burdened with it. What did she do? She left it right at the foot of Jesus, didn't she? She left it there, and then she ran out and told everybody that she ran into. You know, as the band comes and leaves us in her last song, my hope and prayer is that you leave your burdens here. Some of us know what I'm talking about. Some of you have so much burdens that are weighing you down. It's on your mind. You're thinking about it right now. You're thinking about the loneliness you have. You're thinking about the anxiety or the guilt from your past. You're thinking about that addiction that you just can't get a hold of. And I'm telling you right now, just like the woman, she left the jar. She left her burden, the thing that weighed her down, and she ran out of here free. There's no greater hope than that. There's no greater joy than that, to know that you can leave it at the foot of Jesus. For some of us, you know, we have, we know who Jesus is and we've, you know, confessed our sin to him, but we still have this burden on us. And we, we're longing for Jesus just to come and rescue us, aren't we? Just take it away from me, Jesus. I'm tired of coming into church and feeling this, this thing on my shoulders, this burden that I have, this guilt that I have, this shame that I have, this frustration over something in life. And you're just, Lord Jesus, just rescue me in this. I want to encourage you during this last song, if you want to come up. There's people on my left and my right. Love to pray with you. Love to just say, "Hey, leave it here. Leave it here. Don't take it out. Don't keep carrying it around. Leave it here." There's some of you, Lord. You're like this woman who said, "You know what? I've really never, really ever confessed my sin. I didn't realize the need for a savior until I came in this moment. Just like a woman not expecting anything to change, but came in and had a divine appointment with Jesus, and now I realize it." Now I realize my need for the Savior, and you're longing for that. It's it's a simple, simple praying a prayer, saying, Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I understand that you're a Savior. Forgive me. I believe that you died for me. I confess my sin. I want to make you the Lord of my life. It's a simple prayer. You know, I wonder if at any point in this woman's life, however old she was, if she ever asked the question, is heaven really for me? Maybe you're asking the same question, is heaven really a place for me? A simple prayer, and Jesus looks at her like he looks at you and smiles and says, absolutely. Because I'm going to take something so unnatural and make it so supernatural. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that, that's going to make something spectacular out of your life. I'm going to be the one that takes the rod and divides the sea. I'm going to be the one that guides the hand of the rock of, of David when he threw the rock at Goliath. I'm going to be the one that changed water into wine. I'm going to be the one in a few weeks we're going to see that he's healing the blind. I'm going to be the one that, 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 that takes a small boy's lunch and feeds 5,000. I'm going to take this woman who's so immoral and I'm going to make her the best missionary possible. He takes the unnatural. He takes and he adds the super in and it becomes supernatural. He takes something so simple and he makes it spectacular. He's going to do that for you here today. When we sing, we sing, came to my rescue. We call on Jesus and he comes and he rescued us like he does for this woman. My hope and prayer, he does that for you this morning as well. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for the fact that you teach us in your word that salvation is so wonderfully simple. Father, I pray that you be with the one, two, maybe five people in here who never realized their sin and came in this morning, didn't realize that they were going to have a divine appointment with you, helping to realize that you're here looking straight at them. You know everything about them from their past to their present, and you love them anyway. Be with them. Convict their hearts. And if that's you, it's as simple as praying a prayer, saying, Lord Jesus, I pray you forgive me. I understand I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need you to save me. Come and rescue me. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. For all of us, Lord, I pray that we leave any burdens that we have right now that's weighing us down on our shoulders, that we carry around with us, that we leave them here. That we walk out of here free. Free to tell others about you. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for what you're going to do. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.